The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play Thursday cause you're... Hello and welcome to A Water Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network, talking all things Tottenham Hotspur. Joining myself, Sean Walsh, this week is not Jude Summerfield, because he's away in Albania. Instead, I've drafted in two of our 90 Min colleagues, Jack Gallagher and Scott Saunders. Welcome to the pod, losers. Well, we are, I said the line. We are, we are better than Jude, aren't we? We are. We support better football teams, which I think is a big thing. That's true, actually. You know, you, Jack, you support Juventus. Yep. But also Derry City. Yep, and Derry City are currently... In European football, which is something that <laughs> will not be this season. Depending on where this pod goes out, you might be out of European football. No, actually, no. You play tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow night. So okay, so, yeah, before, definitely. Yeah. Before Thursday, definitely still in Europe. Almost yeah. All in it, so. yeah, and Scott, you are a Man United fan. Well, uh, are Man United better than Tottenham? We will find out <laughs> on Saturday night at five thirty. We will. Um, yeah, I wanted to do a pod this week because. Just because Jude's is, doesn't, my life doesn't end. I have a life outside Jude, don't I, guys? You definitely do. We, we, do hope, we do hope Jude is having a fantastic time, and as he listens to this from his whatever he's doing in Albania. I hope he's sure actually listening in Albania. If he's not at least 24 tons deep right now, I'll be very, very disappointed. Yeah. Okay, so since you, know, you guys are outsiders, I did want to kind of get an overview on what your thoughts of this chaotic year for Tottenham has been, you know. They obviously Spurs went to last season, there was a bit of hope that maybe there could be a title challenge, but if not, then I think it was pretty much a consensus opinion that they'd get top four. I think a lot of us had him coming third. So that didn't happen. Spurs fell apart, Conte got on a half and left. Spurs went on another long search for a manager, eventually settled on Ange Postacoglu. What did you guys think of that? Jack, what did you think of that? Well, I like Big Ange. And I think my main takeaway from Ange coming in was it was essentially to me like rehiring like a Martin Yule type person. Mm. And I think there's also like an awareness of Tottenham uh, as a club being like, okay, we tried the Mourinho, we tried the Conte, we tried to be this like top three club competing for big trophies. And this might sound terrible, but for me, I think it's quite a good thing is that in hiring a guy like Ange and ripping it up and going for that type of manager, you're kind of realising and being aware of the fact that you're not one of those football clubs at mm. the minute and there's no real path to be one so why not just be like good crack instead <laughs> which is essentially what I enjoy he's good crack that's what Spurs should be about yeah that's what good crack, we're not yeah. we're not there we're not meant to be 
rubbing shoulders all the time with those guys. It was nice to have that period. It was nice that they had the ambition and that we were close enough that Levy thought it was a good idea to bring in Mourinho. But it was faux ambition, though, wasn't it? Mm. It wasn't real ambition. And the thought of ambition. It was a thought of ambition. There was on the surface ambition with these appointments that that Spurs have made over the last few years. And I have I have seen Jose Mourinho. <laughs> And as much as I do enjoy what he brings to football, I think he's there's definitely a place for him in football. He is not good uh, for a modern football club uh, to succeed with. And I think you pretty much double down with Antonio Conte as well. Mm. And that was even worse somehow. Uh, obviously, you mentioned there, Sean, uh, most people had Tottenham come in third last season, and I was definitely one of those people. I thought that they would... You know, spring into gear, play the Conte way, and just fully embrace it. And it just turns out that it all fell apart. And I forecasted it a little while off uh, back when it was going wrong in the middle of last season. That if they don't get it right now, I think Harry Kane might end up leaving. Mm. And it just so turns out that that's how it's turned out. But I think what Tottenham have done, and I like Ange as well, is take a step back, try and get the fans back on side with the guy who just talks a good game, plays a good game, and you just need Tottenham to be fun again, and I think Tottenham will be fun again this year. Yeah, when you mentioned it there, he talks a good game. Every single press conference, every interview, every he's been on quite a few podcasts as well. It's just He just knows how to say the right things. Now, so you obviously, you want to see on the pitch as well, but I think there's promising signs, and throughout his career, he's been successful, particularly look at the last 10, 15 years. I think... It, He's just waited for an opportunity like this. Like I think he's worked his way up. You know, he went from the A League to the Australia job to a major footballing nation in Asia and Japan, then to Celtic. I think that was quite a natural step. I think I talked about this. I was on some other podcast. I don't think it was one of the ones that we did, Scott. I think it was another. It was a Brentford podcast that I did with a friend, and I talked about. Do you remember Robbie Copeland who used to work here? Yeah. I remember. Ask, I remember. <laughs> I remember asking him a couple of years ago when he first, when Ange first joined Celtic. To do a piece, like kind of researching, like why I sell to get going this guy. And I remember editing it and reading it and just being kind of imp- really impressed by it. I was like, oh, this guy's got it going on, you know. And I did think at the time that I think, you know, maybe Celtic could be good again. And they you were. Shout good out again. Robbie Copeland, yeah. by the way. Yeah, You're definitely listening. <laughs> I hope he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the thing with Ange as well is it's nice, it must be nice for you mm. to have a manager who doesn't think they're above the club when they come Yeah. because when Mourinho yeah. came and Conte came it kind of felt like and perceived that they were doing you a favour by being a Tottenham just biding their time basically yeah, until something better came along yeah exactly like Conte there's no way that Conte thought that after leaving Inter that he would have ended up with Tottenham like, especially where we were exactly yeah so at least with Ange you have a manager who's on the way up and sees Tottenham so far as like the zenith of of his mm. career, whereas mm. all these other managers didn't think that about Tottenham at all. So yeah, so I'm happy. I'm happy, but it's only one it, game. So yes, far, yeah, exactly. We <laughs> didn't even we didn't even win it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Um, what did you guys think of? Well, this is still ongoing, but Spurs' transfer business so far because they brought in James Madison, Guillermo Vicario, Manuel Solomon, uh, Mickey Van der Ven, Destiny Ajoji's finally arrived after a year on loan at Udinese. But we have sold Kane, so what do you guys think of this new era? Well, I, I was, I did suggest this a few weeks ago um, when Spurs were making these early signings and appointments. 
after the absolute disaster that was Antonio's Conte press, uh, Antonio Conte's press conference where he essentially <laughs> threw everyone under the bus, I think Spurs have gone on a specific journey of trying to hire people who can talk quite well mm. or are mm. good people. Uh, James Madison is, as we know, a very good talker. He's been uh, lofted to vice-captain already. You know, he's... Uh, Good character to have around. We've already talked about Angela as well, and Vicario has done some great stuff as well off the pitch. So I think Tottenham. I think Tottenham are trying to repair themselves, and I think it's reflected in their transfer business and the manager they're appointing. This kind of thing, Udoji, I'm sure will be. I, I didn't watch the Brentford game the other day, um, but I'm very excited to see what he can do this season. And uh, I think I don't think it's all bad. I know Tottenham have lost Harry Kane, but I don't think as much of a big hole is there. You still have players who will fit into it, and doesn't look like you're an incomplete team, if you know what I mean. So mm. I think uh, I, I think they need to add a couple of players in the right positions. But I think it's not as bad as I think everybody thought it would be uh, after Harry Kane left. Personally, yeah, I'm the same boat. And as well, you have to remember as well that like Richardson was bought last season for sixty million, essentially as a, essentially as a Harry Kane Insurance. replacement in some way, just in case he left. And now he's left, and you still at least you still have a striker to come on. It's not to the point where a few years ago you had like Vincent Janssen as your second choice striker. Like if Harkin <laughs> had left at that point, and you had Vincent Janssen, then you're in serious baller. But you have someone like Rich Artisan, You have a good few players coming in that can get you maybe ten to fifteen goals. Son's not going to have the season he had last year. You're going to expect him to get fifteen all goals. You can get probably ten goals, ten assists off Madison. You'll be hoping Kulazewski plays a bit better as well, and mm. Richardson will obviously score more than one goal this season. You would like to think, but you should. I hope so. We were talking yeah. off air, you know. Oh, what are Spurs going to do without Richardson's goal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, though, you'd think Richardson will get twelve, fifteen if, yeah. if he plays mm-hmm. most games, and that's what he was doing for Everton, and Everton have been essentially crap for a few years. Yeah, exactly. That's what we were saying so, off air. He, yeah. he gets so many more chances in this Tottenham team than he did mm. with that Everton team as well and yeah. especially the way Ange plays like you've seen it with Ange like every single season they had Celtic SPFL they scored over 100 goals in every mm. campaign in the league alone and the way his teams are set up and how many chances they're created for players like guys like Kyogo came in and scored like 25 goals like in theory like Kyogo was not a 25 goal a season striker but on an Ange team he is mm. and you'll probably see a bit of a drop off with him this year under different management whereas Guys like Richardson and Son and all will feel a massive benefit in playing under Ange in that system. Yeah, that was one of the main problems from last season and that the only players who really had good seasons for Tottenham were Kane and Bentico. And Bentico had an ACL injury in February and everyone else completely underperformed. Kuzevsky was good for the first few months but he was injured a lot and didn't really pick it up again after really January. But everyone else just underperformed. So you just hope that if Spurs can get their key players just to normal levels again that should be enough to to get going again and then obviously the Kane thing I think it's I've made peace with it now I remember being oh, I was properly devastated last week I was ready to oh it was bad like, I was under the impression that he was going to stay I really thought that Spurs were going to hold firm I thought that Spurs had the confidence that they were going to at least try and get him to sit down be like bro you can't leave us on a free you know that's not very fair. I thought that that would be the <laughs> Levy's tactic. Turns out it wasn't like that. So when I got the notification through that he was going to go, it's like, oh my god. It's kind of it, it, 
Kane leaving is always going to be worst case mm. scenario, but how he left and when he left and who he left to is essentially best case scenario for Tottenham. He went he abroad, was thank God. Leave. Yeah, at yeah. least he went to Bayern, and you can kind of respect the decision to go to Bayern because you're like, right, well, he's not going to yeah. like a United or City or something, so you're not going to see yeah. him all the time. He's yeah. kind of well. That's what I was hoping would happen. But I think it gives us a sense of clarity it feels like we kind of have this closure now we can move on it's not hanging over us the, every week the question in the press conferences are going to be is Kane going to stay what's his long term future going to be that, that's gone Spurs don't need to think about that anymore I don't need to think about that anymore it's really weird seeing him in a Bayern shirt and when he came on the other day and they lost the German Super Cup 3-0 um, I'm kind of in two minds it's, it's very funny but also I kind of wanted him to just do it yeah that's nice but. deep down he's still that Tottenham. This <laughs> <laughs> is the thing, we could win in this situation. Overly committed though. to Tottenham. But yeah. What I would say is, like, compare the feeling around Tottenham right now, I know it's quite positive, right, to last season. Last season, everybody was expecting Tottenham to even get in a title race because yeah. they have a proven yeah. winner in Antonio Conte, and it was, they have to do it now, otherwise Harry Kane is going to leave and it's all going to fall apart. And it pretty much went as badly as you possibly could have imagined it last season. I can't even imagine coming eighth. Like you look at go to the start of the season, like Brighton are kind of coming up for you. You yeah. can finish one yeah. point ahead of Brentford. Like, yeah. What and the hell happened? Compare that to now, where you've gone through the pain of Harry Kane leaving, but you have a manager in there who knows what he's doing. There's no pressure. Everybody, nobody really expects Tottenham to even come in the top six. If you're not a Tottenham fan, that must be a nice position to be in because you can probably just look at it and think right we're going to surprise a few people this year and I think Tottenham will yeah I really think so I think that Spurs will have a decent season we were talking about earlier Jack about Spurs and Chelsea both in this kind of state where they're going to benefit hugely from just having coaches and having managers who care a bit more about fitness and then not having the burden of playing more than once a week yeah it's going to make a massive difference especially like when you see the one of the big issues of Spurs last season was Conte's inability to play two games in a week it's always the ones you least expect, you know. <laughs> yeah, and Didn't he know that. always always struggle with it. Whereas, like Ange is coming, it's nice for Ange to come in and just have a season of league football mm. to play with, and not have the added pressure of trying to do well in Europe and balance a squad as well. He can kind of come into this season and work with a slightly smaller squad for the first season, and then if he's get into Europe for next year, then he can build out with his own players as well. On top yeah, of worry about that then. I remember when we were first properly linked with Postecoglou. I went through some of the old tweets I did because I remember having to do player ratings for when Chelsea played Real Madrid in the Champions League last year and I did find this tweet just being so impressed by how well Celtic played they lost 3-0 in the end but they played so well they went toe-to-toe with them so I had my hopes up that he wasn't just going to like this his first year ever in European competition that wasn't kind of Celtic went out of the group stage but it wasn't the be all and end all it wasn't as if it wasn't like a contest situation we just managed the team yeah. I think they just lost to better teams but they gave it a good go and also like we're at a point as well with Celtic where if they get under the group stages that's a win yeah that's exactly, the big yeah. thing they're not expected to get any further than that if yeah. they come third unbelievable but yeah. they're not expected to go anywhere just getting under the group stages and also does financially so yeah okay so let's move on to the Brentford game 2-2 I was I was convinced all week this was a really bad nightmare for Spurs. This is the worst kind of matchup to get when you're this transitional team because Scott, we went to Brentford Man United last year. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> the next time we go into a game together to watch it together is this weekend. The it could happen again. Since that day. So how exciting that that could happen again, and we'll check out later which team it's more likely to happen to. <laughs> this 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 game was literally 365 days after. 
that meeting. And I thought it was the stars were aligned. Brentford are going to win 3 0, 4 0. Spurs are going to get punished for being just too deep in a transition. And I didn't really. I think one of the things that helped Spurs, and I can't remember who made this point first, but this is an original point. It helped that maybe Kane wasn't there. That wasn't hanging over them. They had this clarity that it was the new era. You know, Son was giving the captain's armband the day before. He came up with this idea with James Madison, the new vice captain, the night before. Oh, let's make sure that in the first half we're playing, we're defending the goal in front of our fans and we can go do the team talk in front of them. That's like, we want to do that. These these little things, but also when you look at when Man United lost last year, players like Maguire were starting, Ronaldo was starting. Very few of the new guys were really better than Casemiro wasn't there yet. Mm. Lisandro Marcez came in, he got hooked at half time. Ericsson started, but he was playing as the six and Brentford knew to just press him. And Andrews wasn't like that. Well, Andrews was like, if we're, we're not kind of dipping our toes and we're diving straight in because that's the only way that we're going to learn to properly get into this new era. And so he, three of the back five made the debut. It was a back five of Vicario, Emerson, Romero, Van de Ven, Udoji. First half, a little bit... So, so, Jack, wouldn't you say? I, th- I think Spurs were caught on the break a few times. Rico yeah. Henry had a lot of spe- running into the space. It, it reminded, it, watching uh, the Chelsea game just immediately after that, it was kind of the same sort of situation with both teams were in the first half. I don't think the defence really knew what they were doing and weren't comfortable with each other yet. Like you said, three of the five hadn't played together before and were mm. making their debuts. So you, and you could very much see that. But in both teams, and the same thing happened with Chelsea after as well, you could see about a confidence and about a rapport growing over time, and that's just over one half of football. So it's good, positive signs that if you can get to that point by the end of the game, they look quite confident together. Yeah. If you get to that point by the end of your first game, then you would imagine them to be quite a decent unit moving forward. So you would. Yeah, and I think as well the added thing to that is Romero came off after fourteen minutes. Davinson Sanchez, who's basically in the shop window, came on. Been one of the surprise performers of pre-season. He re- played really well away at Barcelona. He played well in this match because he's playing in a high line. It's just this, these little things that really would not have worked last year. I can't imagine if Conte was still here. God knows what it would well, look like if he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I can't imagine him going into this game and just getting anything out of it. I mean, it's a good result. Brentford's a difficult place to go to. They beat a lot of the top six. They've now beaten every big six They've team. beaten all of the top six. So it's just... It's a difficult place to go to. I know that no, they haven't got Ivan Tony. Um, I only managed to catch the first fifteen of this because I was going to uh, the Chelsea Liverpool game, which was just fun in, it, in itself. Bit of a mess in the first half, but one thing I did pick up on was just how sharp James Madison's delivery is, and obviously mm. for that assist for the Romero goal, I, I looked at it like, goodness me, you, you're not finding many players who can do that, that pinpoint, that much power, and. For me, there's a sad element to it in the fact that Harry Kane's not going to get on the end of those crosses. But the very fact that you do have somebody who can deliver a ball like that and produce key passes like James Madison can and will for Tottenham, that's a massive, massive thing that you'll gain uh, over the next few months. Spurs have been crying out for a player like that ever since Christian Eriksen left. Mm -hmm. Even when Eriksen was here, he never had competition. So he would always have these patches where he wouldn't play as well. He'd be a bit complacent, and when he did come out of the team, if he was injured or whatever, you'd really notice it. We've really noticed it since Ericsson left that there had been this dearth of players who could play a pass forward. Like I think, and Dombele, 
your, your flawed genius who it looks like he's going to get sold for the end of the transfer window because he got given a chance by Angeli didn't take it so but that's Spurs just needed a player like that someone who can get their head up someone who is willing and can see that extra pass that final pass so I'm very pleased that he's coming straight away he looks like a leader he's, he sounds like he's a made a really good impression. I'm very glad that he's having and aren't relying on Ndombele and then I have to watch like 30 <laughs> clips of him on Twitter being like, Ndombele's back, he's back. Ndombele's a problem. Ndombele's resurrection. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that's that's cutting the bond now, that's done, that's not happening. Um, yeah. You have Madison instead. And we do that about Oli Skip and Basuma now. <laughs> <laughs> Basuma got man of the match in this game, I'm really impressed. I'm I know, Twitter told me. <laughs> Over and over and over again. <laughs> Jack, you did watch the game, right? I did watch it. Yeah, you, you, you impressed game. by Basuma. I was impressed by Basuma. I think that midfield shaping up to be really nice. If you have him in there, Skip's a good option. I don't think he's going to be first choice, obviously, when Ben Tanker comes mm, back. But yeah. if you have your three, is Ben Tanker, he's like quite a progressive runner with the ball, quite nice on the ball. And you have a guy like Basuma who can also run, but is good, like a breaking up play as well. And then you have a guy with Madison's delivery on top of that. It's, it's a really nice, balanced midfield. And then the way you were playing as well, I've seen one of those like moving tactical diagrams on Twitter. Some boring <laughs> yeah. person. Tweeted. I'm not going to name names, but you know. Um, to drunk? Probably to drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely to drunk. <laughs> Rule the roost or something like that. <laughs> I'm doing that tomorrow. <laughs> You're doing the rounds, you two, aren't you? I very much am. <laughs> But yeah, you've seen like uh, it showed like a wee thing of like every time he's got the ball, your two fullbacks came unfeed. Those like yeah. inverted fullbacks, which are in vogue at the minute. He's had a lot of options in midfield, a lot of bodies in midfield, a lot of much more like physicality in midfield that he's mm. had in a long time. Not soft anymore. Not soft. One of those fullbacks coming into midfield, Destiny Adoji, on his Spurs debut, looked like he was a player who had played four hundred games in his career. He should have came last year. Like I don't understand why he didn't come last year. I know, like, in He's theory... He's ruined, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> they knew. He probably would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was amazing in Serie A the past two seasons. Like, incredible. Like, by far the best fullback in the league. Um, particularly yeah. left-back for quite a while, so he was. So it was quite a coup for Spurs to get him. And maybe a coup that no one really understood, because... He signed him last year and then he came on this year and you kind of half forget he was even there in the first place. Yeah, it went under the radar. I, th- I don't think a lot of rival fans know that he's really been here or who he is because it just it got done quickly last year. Um, I remember Bryson were in from as well, but That's always Spurs, were, Spurs yeah, yeah, exactly. Spurs were willing to throw in the the, buy, the not the buyback for a loan back, mm. so that got the deal over the line. You just I've just mentioned Brighton there and talking about Basuma. Tottenham have got. One of I know it, it didn't work out for him last season, but I think we all expect more of uh, Basuma this season. One of the very few players got out of Brighton for not a lot amount of money, yeah, a massive yeah. amount of money. One of the few transfers. I don't want to say Brighton messed it up because I'm sure that they, they they were pretty satisfied with the deal in the end. But it's not Moises Caicedo money, is it? And I remember when he was playing for Brighton, everyone was thinking, "God, this guy's good." Everyone thought, that's, "Oh, that guy's gonna get a big six move." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the same sort of hype as Moises Caicedo in a way. Like mm. he was the Mudfoot destroyer in that Brighton team that did a great job. And then Moises Caicedo came in, and obviously you didn't really miss him. But it doesn't mean to say he wasn't good in the first place. Yeah, like, yeah. If you try to sign Pesuma this year, if he had an R season at Brighton last season, you're probably talking about 80, 90 million yeah. for him, which is mental. But that's what the market is. Spurs like. got something between 25, 30 mil. That's gonna, I believe that will look like a steal come the end of the season if he is fit and if he plays as well as he does. 
in that Brentford game and in the pre-season games because he looks like the perfect kind of sitting midfielder for a Postecoglou system. Um, I was surprised Mickey van der Ven did as well as he did. I and mean, he, he, he probably should have done better with the Wissa goal. I don't think he kind of knows where the ball is going. And you could say it was 50-50 for the penalty shot on Sharda. I thought it was quite fair considering VAR overturned the first decision and didn't overturn Another decision that happened this week. <laughs> Banana. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we've, all, we've all been Got there. The yeah. Um, but I thought generally he used his body very, very well. He's so quick. He's so strong. And I'm excited to see more of him. But I thought that this was going to be a bad game that he might got shoved around a little bit, kind of like a welcome to the Premier League kind of thing. And if Tony plays, then probably that does. probably does happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Wisser and Bermo, they're not as tall, but they know how to use their body as well. And they didn't give him those kind of problems. Great footballer name too. Mm. Fan, they already they've retuned his name um, to the old Rafa van der Vaart chant. Oh, nice. Mickey nice. van der Ven, van der Ven. Yeah. One of my, Get speaking of Spurs chants, I was out with one of my friends back in Ireland the other week, and he's insane about Spurs. He's all the same. He's all mental about Spurs, like, till he's died for some weird reason. You have to be in on this club. You can't, you can't just be passively in about yeah. this club. That's the beauty of it. And every time he gets drunk, he realise when he gets drunk is when he starts singing Spurs songs. <laughs> We're all, we'd be all sitting in a bar and just chatting away like normal, chatting about stuff, and then all of a sudden you'll just hear him screaming the Vandervaart chant, and there'll be no conversation with him for the rest of the night. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing him singing that the well, next time we're I will, I will say, um, I was out on Saturday night, and Gimme, Gimme, Gimme came on, and it did. I didn't go full in on the Kulisevsky song, but I was. I always do think about it. It's a great, that's a great tune. It's really great. It's really a shame that uh, he hasn't been as good since I know, it got uh, like first initiated. Sean, who is your Tottenham, I don't want to say cult hero, but the, the current one from, from the team now? Because obviously Harry Kane's been the guy for, for so long mm. that everybody's liked and loved. Is there any players here that we're suggesting could become, could get that Van der, I know you just talked about Van mm. der Ven having the Van der Vaart champ, but yeah. who's going to stick out for you? It's probably Madison. I think he kind of has that mix between he is like he is such a good talker. He has that kind of edge to him. Like the Brent, you saw the Brent fans giving him a stick, and he was giving it back to them. Like he has that edge about him as well. I think that Spurs fans are really going to appreciate that. And I think because when you go so long without a certain type of player that you just obviously need, you just automatically latch onto them. Like remember when Chelsea got Diego Costa, and it was actually for the first time since Drogba left that they actually got a prolific striker and he was this big bully he riled everyone up he was a pure shit house, and they just loved him for it mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be the same with Spurs Spurs have missed a gracious midfielder for like that for so long he is a really personable guy I can imagine him doing a lot of Spurs TV YouTube content and stuff I think he'll really get into it and he'll lean into that ever since he was first unveiled he's proper got into the like the Spurs kind of sayings like kind of use Spurs stuff like that like, they're, they're, they're really tiny things but they know how to really work them it's nice having yeah. like a mercurial number 10 as mm. your favourite player as well. There's not yeah. enough of them lying about, so it's not. You have one with Bruno Fernandes, two CD Scott, but I know from Juventus' perspective, we have like Timothy Way playing right wing <laughs> back, so it's not just fun. But, you know, it's nice having a guy like that and a guy that, you know, can not just score goals for you, but also can create goals for you and give mm. you those big moments. And like, they're done better than watching your team score a direct free kick and things like that, which you. Probably haven't seen him quite a while, considering Harry Kane was that. Well, yeah, case, K- but you'll see quite a few. Kane's not here anymore, yeah. so he's not going to be hogging the free kicks. You know, it's not like you know. I'm sure you know as a Juventus fan, where whenever Ronaldo stood up for a free kick, you're like, okay, I'll go for, I'll go get a drink or something. Yeah. I'll come we back in five break. minutes. Yeah. Um, 
it wasn't all good. I think the the obvious criticism was the front line still looks looks like it could use some work. This was one of my skepticisms coming into the season because the way that Postecoglou likes to play. I'm not saying that he won't change it. Because I think he said multiple times he's a problem solver and he will find a way to get the best out of these players. But usually because the fullbacks come to midfield rather than up the line, the wingers are touchline wingers. They play really high and wide. And that is not how Sonokus actually usually really play. They can kind of do it and they will do it if they have to, but they won't be as effective. Like I think you saw on the weekend, Jack, Kuzowski too often came inside rather than doing the thing where he fakes to come inside and goes outside. And he knows how to use his body really well. He just doesn't do it all the time or as much as he used to when he was in better form. And then I don't think Richardson got enough service. Like, there was a stat going around like saying that he had so many fewer touches when Kane was in the team. And it's just like, we're playing a different way and they're completely different players. Richardson's not going to come deep to get the ball. He's not going to come to the halfway line and spread the play. He's going to be in and around that box. He's going to be pressing. He's going to be on the last shoulder. And there were a couple of times in the second half, particularly where Madison found him or Son found him and he had these kind of half chances. But I think that's more something to work on. But what do you think of the that son Kuzewski conundrum? Well, I, I'd like to make a general point on this because United are suffering from it as well. And we'll talk about it in a bit, I'm sure. But stop inverting your fullbacks. I'm not ready for this change. <laughs> I, I, re, I was just getting to grips with overlapping fullbacks who were cavalier and would get loads of assists and then the wingers who would cut inside and score 20 goals a season. I'm not ready for this change. Stop isolating your wings. <laughs> stop making your... Your fullbacks, creative central midfielders who can play progressive passes. I'm not ready, Ange. I'm sorry. And your goalkeepers, central midfielders as well. <laughs> who, like, where do these goalkeepers and fullbacks get off? Why do they think they're the footballers and teams now? It's not right. This used to be a proper country. <laughs> but yeah, Cooley and Son. I think the big issue with Cooley and one of the big things about an Ange team is pure pace up front and mm. getting the ball moving and fast and. Because Kulusevsky's a player who's come through in Italy and played a lot of Italian football and then also like kind of excelled at times at Spurs in like an Italian system yeah, under Conte, yeah. then this kind of faster-paced football, he's not used to it. He's never really played it before. It's going to take a while to readjust. I know we were talking, we were talking yesterday, uh, walking to the office, that he's kind of need like a tricky winger to hit the byline. Yeah, yeah. And like even like... A, I know he's not great, and I know he's just left, but someone of the elk of like a St. Maximan or something like that there, they would look incredible in the Spurs team. Not like an incredible footballer by any means, but <laughs> a fun footballer who can hit the byline and take a man on. Yeah. That's the sort of player you need because, look, you're going to get the quality distribution and stuff from guys like Madison, so you can afford to have a guy that's maybe less consistent with his delivery, but will always try and beat the man out wide. So, Sean, what I want to ask you as we were talking about that, who would your choice, if you could pick anyone to drop in, do that front line, who would it be? Well, I was going to have a counter question. I was going to say, should Spurs have taken a punt on a Tama and a free? Ooh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Not that far. You know, there's, there's a total punt Not that there. bad, yeah. Maximum's like a few steps up from yeah, yeah, yeah. Tama Traore. Yeah, the, the, the dream is Matoma, but as we'll come on to shortly, I don't think any... You're getting anything out of Brighton for He's their key players. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yes. <laughs> but is that, who is like the next Matoma? And I've really been racking my brains and I, I've deduced that I simply don't know enough about football anymore to think of anything. But, you know, there's people hired who Spurs have who know more than me. I'll do a quick search of the FIFA 24 database later <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll figure something out. 
Or that one. I'm, try- I'm trying to think of cast-offs that United could offer. But they, they all seem to be central, de- central defenders and central midfielders. I'd like uh, to do a job. How, how, about, how about Anthony Martial, Sean? You won't do it before. What's <laughs> your chance? Could I interest you in Anthony Martial? Sancho going? What's that? Sancho going? Any, any part of oh, that? Oh, no. I, I want to keep no? it the year. Oh, you, you've been moved by Monday night's performance, have you? When he came off the bench? He actually can retain possession, yes. yes. So, yeah. Yeah. He looks great with a ball at his feet, too, he does. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Be more of that. He's too good for a He's off limits for that. He'd actually, <laughs> Garnacho would actually be perfect in the system, I think. So just that electricity. Yeah, he had a bit of a nightmare on the, on Monday night, as most players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was really surprised with uh, But he's got all the tools for me. Yeah. yeah. It's someone like that, like, even someone like Mudrick. Not, not necessarily these guys, but, you know, like that, that profile. Yeah, just someone could beat a man. Yeah, that'd be Such nice. Such an underestimated thing in football yeah. now. Well, especially when you have, like, holding a feeder going for, like, over 100 million yeah. all the time. It's like, why not just it, spend, like, 80 million on a man, yeah. a white player yeah. that can beat a man instead? Yeah. It's, it's so, so much more fun. Yeah, it's so ironic because when Sonic Kudos actually do go down the line, they actually do beat the man because they're just not expecting it, but they just need to diversify the game a bit more. So I think they'll persist for now unless... Spurs do bring in some other players before the end of the window and we do expect that to happen because they've just got 86 mil per Harry Kane I'm going to be very fuming if they don't spend it that, some of that money at least where should that money go from? well Jack you and I were watching a compilation earlier of Gift Orban who has been in talks with Tottenham and we were very impressed with this one compilation yes. one minute and 30 seconds of, of Gift Orban him scoring goals. hitting the ball as hard as he can oh. the ball. Yeah. and he can score three kicks as well he's got everything Got everything. Uh, judging by that one minute and 30 seconds that we've seen, he's got Get absolutely in. everything. The whole 86 mil, give it yeah. to Gent right now. Right now. But yeah. I think that's the kind of punt that Spurs probably do need to take because the striker market is so. It's this. Scott, you've been looking at strikers all summer for Man United reasons. <laughs> you realise, like, there's the top bracket of, like, Osimo and Kane who are going to cost near enough three figures. And then it's middle of the road guys like Vlahovic or. Before he got injured, Tammy Abraham, or before he got suspended, um, Ivan Tony, and then it's unproven guys like Rasmus Highland, yeah, who still went for seventy-two. <laughs> uh, Sean, you're rounding up with the add-ons there. Oh, you don't think he's going to hit those add-ons? You don't think he's going to score five league well, goals? If he, does hit the, <laughs> he does hit the add-ons, then that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to. I think that's what clubs are doing now. That's what United have done anyway. Is just look at somebody who's got all of the raw ability that they feel like they have a... You know, I feel like they have a coach now that can actually develop players. Uh, it's great, isn't it? It's, it's, it's so good. It's, it's an interesting concept. Uh, get a coach who can get the most out of your players instead of moaning about every yeah. single one that they own. Why did I think of that? Yeah. Um, and Ange is obviously, you know, he's got, had a good record of getting the best out of players. So I think you have to just find the right pick. And I think... You know, as I don't know how much. What are we being quoted here for Gift Orban? Somewhere between twenty-five and thirty. Uh, that's a risk worth taking. Yeah, me, for I sure. Say. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Evan Ferguson, who's also on this list, <laughs> is not going to cost thirty million pounds. Like well, yeah, two hundred and fifty to three hundred. Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a story going live on ninety million earlier. Spurs asked about Evan Ferguson. Um, it was a no, basically. And I don't blame Brighton. Understandable. He needs an R season up. Yeah, he needs to stay at Brighton. He needs an R season. Yeah. He also signed a new deal this summer. Yeah. 
And I want them to stay for as long as possible because whenever he eventually goes for, he'll definitely go for over 100 mil the way his, uh, way his trajectory is going. When Bohemians <laughs> get that money in the Irish League, dare I say they are done for it, the whole league is done for it. <laughs> That's it. 100 years of Bohemian yeah, titles because like they, they sold a player once to Brighton. They have like what, like a 10, 10% release or something like that there, yeah. which is like... You sent a tweet over to me yesterday. It's equivalent mm. of winning their trusty league like a thousand times or something yeah, it's, like that. It's obscene. But I, this is like an off-topic point, but I do wonder if these clubs are, good, are more willing now to sell to Brighton because they think that they could get that kind of sell-off fee. Like, what, what was it that Caicedo's first Ecuadorian club got? It's like 30 was mil or something? 40%? Or something, something like that. that. Yeah, it was like Some 30 or 40 mil they got in the end 40% sell-off, yeah. which was just... Can you imagine? That's, that's life changing. Like for Ecuadorian yeah. football, that has changed everything now. Just because this yeah. one player was good enough, and Todd Bowley decided to, to donate some money to them. I don't know whether I saw that they wouldn't rename in their academy after him. I saw that as well. Yeah. I don't know. That, that could have come from one of the Twitter banter accounts or something <laughs> like that, or it could be a completely legit story. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Spurs, I mean, you do need to make an investment like that on a on a young striker for me. And if you got Let's not forget, Richarlison's the number nine of Brazil, who are pretty decent at football. So if you can bring somebody in to kind of shadow it for a season, maybe succeed him at some point, then that's that's really what you've got to be looking after. Yeah. If you're getting Orban for like 25, 30 as well, because of how much money a lot of other players have went for, and you have Richarlison there, there's not really going to be pressure on Orban to come in and score 15, mm. 20 goals. Like he can do that thing of shadowing Richarlison for a year and then maybe take over the year after he's going to change system if it works out for them together and yeah. stuff there's it's just it's a nice punty tick because nowadays it's an insane thing to say but 25 30 million is not a lot of money in football anymore <laughs> whereas 20 years ago that was all the money in football i did see a stat the other day i think that's the one i showed you that um pochettino's already made more 20 mil plus signings at chelsea than he has at spurs once the window closes and they get all their other targets in which is completely obscene this and they still I find it funny that they've nearly spent £900 million and they still don't have a striker yeah. and they still don't have a goalkeeper. The two main really. things. Yeah. <laughs> the two main footballers, you don't have them. Do some nice pretty... May as well hire Luis Enrique. <laughs> oh, they would have scored zero goals. It would have been... It's just Spanish Potter, isn't it? Yes. That's basically what... That's what PSG are getting. Okay, let's move on to Man United at the weekend. This was a fixture I definitely was dreading a lot more until I saw your guys play on Monday night, Scott. I was definitely looking forward to it a lot more until I, <laughs> until I saw Monday night play on Monday night because the, I think the running order here says, God, they were shit on Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, no, that, that is accurate. United were absolutely trash, god-awful on, the, on Monday night. They should have lost the game, really. Uh, I just... I'm fearful that if they award James Madison any, uh, even a tenth of the space that they give the Wolves players, that he will play passes through that Richarlison or somebody will convert because Wolves, they're not known exactly for, for scoring a ton of goals, but mm. Tottenham have a lot of creativity in this still, even without Harry Kane. And they will punish, better teams will punish Man United severely this yeah. season if they play like that. And I would probably put Tottenham in that in that box of better teams than Wolves. Yeah, what will probably help United is Spurs will play incredibly high and I do worry how many times is Rashford going to run in behind? Because Rashford always scores against Spurs as well. 
that, well, that, that's, the, that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> and I was... I wish I just let that game on Monday never happened, even though United won it, because I just... I was looking forward to the good stuff. And I think the, from a United fan perspective, the good stuff would be, let's see what Marcus Rashford can do against this high line that Spurs are going to play. Because if they allow him space... Ericsson Hogg has gone on record in pre-season and said, I want this team to be the best transition team in the world. And Wolves transitioned on United about 50 times. <laughs> but if United have uh, Bruno... Obviously, they have Bruno Fernandes, who is very much... I want to make the Hollywood pass. If you're playing against the high line and you give him a couple of seconds of space and he gets his head up, mm. give it away nine times, but one time we'll get it through and Marcus Rashford might got him the end of it. So I think there'll be goals in this one. Yeah. Like, I, I would be shocked if there isn't. If this, both, yeah, both ways. yeah, if this is like nil-nil or one-nil, I'm going to... Something has gone wrong. Something's gone very wrong <laughs> that's led to that because it sets up so nicely, as we said, the way that Spurs will leave that space home for transition, but also the way that Spurs could punish United if they are so sloppy again and well, I think it's, so, it's so strange that performance I did not see that coming from Man United I think what, what the thing I noticed was that there was so much space between the two eights or the two yeah, number tens yeah. they, they were basically number tens Mason Mount and Bruno Fernandes and then you have Casemiro who was sat in there he had the entire middle of the pitch to cover. Yeah. And he's never been the most mobile of players. And you, you put him behind... He's won, like, five Champions Leagues or four Champions Leagues with Tony Kroos and Luka Modric, who are players that are renowned for being able to pass the ball short and be, being able to progress play and can take control of a match. Bruno Fernandes is not that type of player. He can do it if he really sets his mind to it, but generally Bruno Fernandes is... Hollywood pass, as I just said. Mason Mount still bedding in, but there was so much space between them that once United lost the ball and they passed one of those two players, whoever, it was Mateus Cunha, usually, uh, just turning 90 degrees, and if Casemiro didn't chop him or successfully win a tackle, which he, he didn't play well the other night either, Wolves were just literally steaming through on United's back four. I could count more than five times. I think United gave the ball away 81 times on Monday night as well. So Jesus. that is, Eric Ten Hag pointed to the fact that United have been so wasteful with the ball and that obviously correlates with mm. that statistic. Um, I think United will be better in that sense, but they, they if they leave that, that amount of space in the midfield and they, they're just so cavalier, uh, Tottenham will exploit that. And Ange, I think, is smart enough to look at that and think, all right, we've got some opportunities here to exploit that. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely... He's watching that game on Monday night. He's thinking, hmm. <laughs> that's what I was thinking anyway. And then I was gutted that there wasn't <laughs> that last-minute penalty. Do you think he'll change it for the game? Do you think he'll maybe move Lissandro in midfield or maybe do um, something along those lines? No, I, I don't really think too many changes will... The only thing I'm, I'm thinking of is, will he, in pre-season, Jaden Sancho played false nine a fair mm. bit? And I think Marcus mm. Rashford is... Like, like I said earlier, Garnacho didn't really have the best game uh, on Monday night. He tended to lose the ball quite a lot. I think Marcus Rashford is better off the left. Jaden Sancho, at least, it's not a false nine by any stretch, but at least he has an element of control to his game. And what he was doing quite well in preseason was allowing, you know, dropping in the space and allowing United to retain possession higher up the pitch. And then you have that option of playing Marcus Rashford in from the left side and giving him the ball to isolate the, the right back, whoever, whoever he's 1v1 with, and that's where he's better. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they, made, they either stuck with it or made one change. The, as we mentioned already, Anthony Martial, he's actually training. He's actually 
meant to be fit. Maybe he gets 30 minutes from the start and then gets substituted. I don't know. But United are generally, United are generally a better team with Martial in the team. Uh, I've just completely given up on him now because he's injured so often. Um, so you don't think he's breaking the Prem goals record? Unfortunately, James, he's not breaking, <laughs> <laughs> he's not breaking the Premier League goals record. Um, but yeah, I mean, it should be fun. It, it should be an interesting game. Maybe it'll work against Spurs in the fact that Ten Hag has seen just how loose United were the other day and he's now going to work in training this week. It can't be that bad again. Don't be that bad again. That was outrageously bad. Yeah. Uh, So maybe United will be a little bit more uh, conservative. Maybe they'll try and soak it up a little bit and lure Spurs in and exploit the the Spurs half. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. And I think even just bringing anyone in to go up front just so Rashford can play on the wing is probably the better move to do here. I think just getting if you can get the best out of Rashford while keeping your other main players in their position, that's that's enough to really scare Spurs and be the best team to Spurs. And then also if it means Garnet actually dropped, then he's coming off the bench and he's, he's really good at that. better anyway coming off the bench as an impact player. I think yeah, that's, that's where we've seen him best. But Sean, how can, how can Spurs hurt United then? Well, if you leave that space open again, <laughs> that would be great. Um, I think. I'm trying to think back to the last season again because that was such a strange one, wasn't it? The the two two at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where United go two and a half time, and Spurs. It looks like it could be a real kind of doomsday event where Ryan Mason's just come in. It was just after the Newcastle six one game. I don't think it was going to be as bad as that, but it was almost like if United get another, then it's there's just general apathy. But Spurs came right out for the second half, just really up for it. Poro scored a really nice goal, and then Spurs in the last. 20 or so minutes had a lot of chances eventually Son puts one away I think it's just just to attack with that relentlessness and I thought that was the key if we were going to beat Brentford and that would have been the key that if you have a good start or you score a goal just keep going again and again and again and that's why I'm happy that um, Ange Postecoglou is here because that's something he preaches it's his you know, favourite saying we never stop it's don't you just keep going he got angry at the players and a friend against Shakhtar we're one nil up with about five minutes to go and Shakhtar equalised and he kept the players in for a couple of minutes longer to drill this point to them you were playing for, to get to half time at 1-0 you should have gone for another that was an opportune time don't stop just keep going I think that's probably the way that Spurs are going to do it if they can just overwhelm United and if United just aren't prepared for these kind of new ideas they haven't really you know there's not much of a body of evidence to really analyse that they're going mm. to probably go back into Celtic games from last season where the personnel is different and the level is different that's probably the way that Spurs win this it's going to be an interesting one for Spurs, like you said there, about the Ange way of, like, you were trying to get on the 1-0 at halftime. Yeah. Some of these players that have played for Tottenham for a long time have basically had that mentality for the last, like, four Yeah, well, that's, so the, that's the thing, isn't it? it Ever is since Mourinho was here, that was when it was at its worst, the lockdown season, where Spurs started pretty well. But a lot of the mantra was, get to 1-0 and just focus on protecting that lead and not making mistakes. And that's, yeah, it's been so drilled. But and I think even just after one pre-season, a lot of these players look so liberated. Like I've never seen Davison Sanchez in my life look so comfortable in a football. I think it's because he's not scared to give it away. He's he feels empowered to actually bring the ball out. And if you lose the ball, fight it's going to happen. You know the, the manager will take the fall for you. You're going to make mistakes. You're human. I think that's really going to help Spurs in a mental way. That as touched on it earlier. These players can't be as bad as they were last year. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Yeah. So so it. I would say like maybe temper a wee bit of expectations for how long it'll take for that mentality yeah. to change and stuff because they are things that are going to be 
yeah. habits for the, oh, yeah. for the players yeah. for There's a long a time. Above, so above you will see, like, you could, with the United game, could have the exact same situation, going 1-0 at half-time, and then you just naturally drop in, despite Ange not wanting it to happen. Yeah, and yeah. And you maybe can see then and stuff, and these things will happen, but it's just about the, the progress and drilling something completely new into yeah. the players. So it is yeah. about time. I was saying last week, when, when Jude was here, I think there's going to be a lot of times where Spurs just need to kind of firm it. There's going to be games that they lose by three or maybe even four, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not ideal. I don't I don't like it when my team lose by three or four. That's natural, but I think United you know, probably the best example of anyone, Scott. That you're going through transition. These things are going to happen, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Well, of course, um, I did want to bring up the the statistic that I completely forgot about until just now. United took one point away in away games against the top nine last season. Mm. And that is something that United need to fix as well. But they don't have a good record of going to places like Tottenham. Ironically, I think Tottenham was the only place that got a point last season out of the top nine. Doesn't look like a good point either. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good point. But I think that that is something that United themselves are having to overcome and having to deal with. They've, they've been put under a lot of pressure because they keep failing and keep wilting mm. in matches like this. So when you said that second of just don't, and saying don't stop, keep going, keep going, that's exactly how you put this United team under pressure. And generally in matches in stadiums with a good atmosphere, this is Andrew's first competitive game at Tottenham, mm. at home. If the atmosphere's there... Saturday 5.30 is quite, it's quite a good kickoff time for that. Keep the intensity up. United are not good at that. They haven't proven to be good at responding to that. It was so. the same kickoff time in that Brentford game. <laughs> it actually was as well. Don't stop reminding me. <laughs> it gets to a certain time of the day, you know, the fans start enjoying themselves around in the sun, they have a few more beers, they get rowdy, it gets I'm loud in for there. A rainy, stormy, awful day. <laughs> I think I think Spurs fans are playing a Tifa as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, bringing out all the works, you know. But yeah, I think don't talk about Spurs for one week, aren't you? That's enough to talk about Spurs. Well, let, let's get let's get the neutrals take at oh, neutrals yeah. prediction. I'm gonna go. I think it will be score draw. Let's go for sixteen each. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll go. We'll go. We'll keep it casual. We'll go two each. Two each. I went two each. I, I think there's uh, top. I'm expecting at least four game, four goals in every Tottenham game this season. Mm. So great. Isn't it? Let let let's see. Uh, yeah, score draw sounds about right, but yeah. I think. Sean might fancy Spurs and I, I'm going to I fancy United as well but yeah. we'll see we'll see okay uh, we'll wrap it up there thanks for listening everyone um, if you haven't subscribed and left the racing yet please do it helps us a lot and we'll catch you next week watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night you play Thursday cause you're Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.